This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, before we get rolling on this week's episode of the show before the show, uh, Merry Christmas. Lockout's over. We recorded this episode, as you will hear, uh, in the morning of the day on which the Major League Lockout ended. So we've got, uh, obviously, a lot of stuff to cover coming up in next week's episode uh, with the lockout being formally done. But uh, we didn't get a chance to do that uh, because we recorded it before the lockout wrapped up. So that's the heads up. And uh, without further ado, the show before the show. This week's episode of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. We are into spring training on the minor league side as Cactus League and Grapefruit League camps are open and uh, fully functional with prospects across the board who are less than a month away from opening day across the minor leagues, April 5th slash April 8th for AAA and the lower levels. My name is Tyler Mon with Benjamin Hill and Samuel Dykstra in New York City. Guys, what's going on? Sam, I refrain from using the P as your middle initial. You're welcome. Thank you, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for addressing me by my actual name. Um, but yeah, things are things are generally okay. We sit here on, at thir- on Thursday at 1232 Eastern, 1032 Denver time where Tyler is. Um, eagerly waiting news like everybody else on the baseball world on the uh, you know, negotiations for the CBA between Major League Baseball and Major League and the MLBPA. Um, there has been some movement on some things as of today on Thursday. Things might change by the time you guys hear this, but um, we'll discuss that in a moment. But yeah, kind of on tender hooks, hoping uh, everybody can be in Florida and, and Arizona soon and, and getting ready for a full 2022 season. Now, Sam, uh, what is a tenterhook? I, I've seen that expression before, but what is it? That what seems is that? very New England. Does that have something to do with like seafood? I don't know. I just know <laughs> the face. <laughs> I thought it's maybe <laughs> like that's where they hang the big cod from when they bring them in from the man, the Massachusetts coastline there. It, I mean, it could be. I don't know. I've, I've always just like envisioned it that you're waiting delicately and you're like on the tip of your toes, but like I don't. I don't know. I've, I've never actually looked up. What does this mean? Where does this come from? Well, we could Google it, but um, hit us up podcast at MILB.com and explain yeah. uh, the, <laughs> the origins of that phrase. Let us know. I'm sure Josh Jackson could. Yeah, I'm sure he could. Yeah. He, he probably, probably knows has the, tenter hooks in his house. He knows the etymology. Probably yeah, he's got them hanging in his spare room now in his new house. It came um, with the house, yeah. yeah. Right. Speaking of uh, of waiting on, uh, on tenter hooks, um, <laughs> We're waiting this morning to see what the next NFTs Jeff Passan recommends we all buy are. <laughs> uh, poor Jeff Passan from uh, from ESPN.com, one of the best baseball insiders out there. His account was hacked today on like the most pivotal day of the baseball offseason. And it's just like a company that's trotting out NFTs. But I just wanted to bring that up 
to segue to the fact that uh, when I uh, got a chance to cover the MLB All-Star game here in Denver last year, uh, introduced myself to Jeff Passon just to say how much I loved his work. And he, I, I told him, oh, I'm with uh, with MLB Pipeline, MILB.com. And he was like, you know what? I honestly probably read those two sites more than anything else in baseball, which I'm sure he says to everybody because he's a very nice guy. But that was really cool. He was like, oh, yeah, I recognize that name. I know you guys. I, I read all your stuff all the time. I thought that was very cool. You should have got him saying that into camera. I know. You know, could have used it as like a uh, ransom footage for something. <laughs> uh. And then while Jeff was saying nice things, Tyler was peeking over his shoulder and uh, making a note of his Twitter password and I was. using <laughs> it to sell. And now today uh, I am selling, uh, I'm cashing in, man, on some uh, Jeff.eth passing <laughs> things now. Uh, he's the, whatever a husband mod is for Skulltoons NFT. Um, and, Jeff and now they got has... free advertising on this podcast. Yeah, that's doing? true. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna report them as uh, as spam. Um, <laughs> but uh, who knows? We are recording, as Sam noted, on uh, March 10th. There is the potential for a deal today between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, we will see. We're not here to break that down uh, because it's uh, stuff that is very delicately being uh, discussed and debated and, uh, and negotiated between those two sides. But there is a potential. We just bring that up to say, by the time you listen to this, the baseball landscape could be very different. I know there was a report from Tom Verducci earlier today that if a deal comes today, free agency could start later today on the major league side. Um, and there is going to be an insane run on free agents. There's still so much talent left on the big league side, of course, um, for the, the major league season in 2022 to get started. So hopefully that'll be coming soon. Hopefully spring training will be opening soon and uh, we will be very excited for it when it does. So that brings us to our first big topic of this week's episode of the show before the show. And uh, if you want to get in touch, as uh, Ben noted, podcast at MILB.com. We're also on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, MILB at Ben's Biz and at Tyler Mon. Uh, you can send us your questions and uh, you may very well have some questions about the first thing that we are going to discuss today, which is the possibility. And now it looks like maybe probability of an international draft. Uh, that Major League Baseball wants to implement as a measure in the new collective bargaining agreement. Now, as I understand it from the things that I have read, uh, the framework would need to be agreed upon uh, to start by 2024, I believe, is, uh, is the first year that that could actually be in effect. But Sam, there are a lot of moving pieces with this. The logistics of an international draft are things that I do not even know how to begin to wrap my mind around. Uh, try to explain this to us like I'm a five-year-old. Well, there's a lot of things I would have to explain to you. I was going to say, which shouldn't be very difficult because I feel like that's how people normally need to talk to me anyway. Yeah. Well, well let me just try to explain it in the, the most basic terms. So as, as things were filing in about, you know, CBA negotiations and how things were coming together. It seems like one of the late staking points was the idea that uh, MLB in its negotiations with the MLBPA had said, listen, if you want draft pick co compensation to go away from qualifying offer status, uh, we are willing to eliminate that. But in order for that to come in, we want to implement an international draft. Now, currently players who are 16 year old, 16 years old or older, uh, and play outside the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico are free to sign. This year was starting on January 15th. Typically in the past, it's been July 2nd. We'll see how things are going to shake out in many ways there when the international signing period is going to begin again. But right now it's January 15th. If you are 16 years old on that day, 
you are eligible to sign with any of the 30 MLB clubs. Um, you basically get to choose which team you sign for. Teams are negotiating with players, um, sometimes years in advance, which, it, you know, it's unfortunately not a secret that that happens, which is a problem uh, that we can talk about here in a second. But, um, you know, guys get to choose where they sign. They get to negotiate it. There are bonus pools that teams have, so they can't exceed that bonus pool without getting a penalty. Uh, but for the most part, you get to negotiate that. Now, an international draft, the way that would work, it would work somewhat similarly to a first-year player draft, and that you know each team would get a pick. There would be multiple rounds, um, but each pick would be capped and how much you could spend on that pick. So there is no negotiate. There's very little negotiating there. I would think um, it's it's not quite like you know, I'm getting four and a half million from the Blue Jays and 4.6 million from the Rays. Uh, you only negotiate with the team you're selected with. That would be a change for players. It sounds like, according to the proposal, that as part of the international draft system, there would be more money going uh, to players overall, even under that hard cap. Uh, according to this story on MLB.com, a hard slotting system would guarantee more signing bonus money in aggregate to the 600 draft picks then was spent on more than 1,000 international players in the last full signing period prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. So there might be more overall money going to players. Um, it, it does limit them in that way that they can't be selected, but it would be similar to the draft we have, like I said before, on the American, Canadian, and Puerto Rican side. Uh, there's a lot of ramifications for that. News came out yesterday that David Ortiz was kind of spreading a message that he was hesitant to jump into an international draft. This is something that would have to be implemented down the road. It would have to be something that would be worked out. Um, it sounds like this wouldn't start until 2024. If it were agreed to, the news that came out today is that MLB and MLBPA have agreed in some way to continue to discuss this. Uh, the deadline on that would be July 25th, um, that the international draft would start in 2024. If they can't come to an agreement on that, then the qualifying offer process and tying draft picks to signing a qualifying offer player uh, would resume again. So at least we have an agreement on that. We know what that could potentially look like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you weigh the two sides of this based off what I'm hearing, based off what I'm reading. It sounds like there are good proposals on both sides. Um, you know, it's not great when you limit a player to being only selected by one team or signing with one team, um, but on the same, you know, on the other side, of this, it would hopefully, uh, you know, limit some of the corruption that's gone on on the international signing market that has kind of marred that process for years and and made a little bit of a mockery of the process. Um, some of these guys, you know, know who they're signing with years in advance, um, which isn't a great way of doing that system. Um, so we'll see how these two sides are going to negotiate that out before July 25th. But at least now we have something in place. It sounds like assuming, you know, nothing's official until it's on paper and signed by both parties, but it sounds like both sides have agreed to that part. And we'll still be talking about the potential for international draft all the way until late July. I do remember uh, a few years ago, I worked at U15 baseball world cup and I had a, an international scouting director of a major league franchise say to me about a player. I think we've got him locked up and the kid was 14 at the time. Um, and that, I mean, it really does go to show how much of this stuff happens kind of uh, under the table and below board. And um, yeah, so the hope is that it more strictly codifies the things that are allowed uh, and the things that can happen and should happen. 
there, like I said, are a lot of things uh, to iron out and work out uh, before this can be implemented and nailed down. But 2024 would be the earliest for that uh, anyway. And so we will see. We'll continue to follow along. Maybe by the time you hear this, uh, the deal is done and we have all the details of that. But um, not the case as of yet, at least as of recording time. Uh, One thing that is the case, though here in 2022 is that we are less than a month away from minor league baseball opening day. And uh, with that means minor league baseball promos are back for a uh, normal ish season, much more normal than 2021 as it seems right now. And Benjamin Hill, of course, will be covering all of that as the season gets closer and closer. Uh, Ben, let's kick things off. We're going to do this week to week and we're going to start with triple a and highlighting some of the top promotions on the triple a calendars. Where do we stand in terms of, does everybody have a promo calendar out? What is the, uh, the last few weeks before opening day look like as far as promo releases go? I mean, they're still coming in. There's still a few teams at AAA and otherwise who don't, but the vast majority of teams have released promo schedules at this point. Um, you know, it's a different era in minor league baseball now. Uh, the promo schedules, you know, do get approved by MLB. So I think we're seeing some of the stuff that we might have seen in other years that were maybe a little uh, borderline or a little harder to pull off and, um, you know, more of an intention to not, uh, you know, stepping on any, uh, you know, pre-existing uh, brands, marks, uh, properties. We've, I've seen at least three office related promos referred to in some way as, uh, you know, that that place where you go to work night, that that type of thing. I think I saw Ghostbusters night referred to as a paranormal paranormal patrol night. Uh, you know, people have to get a little uh, there's a field of dreams night. I forget what team it is. I'll have to look at the spreadsheet that was just kind of like something like like the guys coming in from the corn night or something ridiculous, <laughs> something ridiculous like that. But um, yeah, it's a tedious task uh, going through all these promo schedules, but it is important for me as I move through the season to know what's happening, what, and to make a note of uh, the, the things that I, I might want to cover in some way. You know, a lot of my favorite promotions are uh, the more off the beaten path, a little bit weird type stuff. You know, a lot of teams doing Copa uh, Marvel is a huge thing uh, this year with uh, many teams doing Marvel uh, theme jerseys based around different characters. I have nothing against those nights, but I like to see the things on a promo schedule uh, that speak to that team specifically that, you know, speak to a little less homogenization and something very uh, unique that is you know very unique to them. Anyway, um, I'm completed triple a and um, yeah, let's just kind of uh, riff on, on some that are uh, that, that we might want to keep an eye out for this season and feel free to jump in guys. Um, Buffalo Bison's, uh, obscure Jersey night. I feel like Tyler might be able to rep on this one where they're just asking fans on April 22nd to wear their most obscure jerseys. I love it. <laughs> oh, so that is what, fantastic. What, what immediately goes to your mind? Uh, I've got a few, um, baseball team jerseys from Asia, uh, one from Korea from the Doosan bears, uh, one from the, the brothers in Taiwan, the bright yellow, uh, jersey and then uh, I've got a jersey of the uh, Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters of uh, Kotaro Kiyomiya who is like the Japanese high school Babe Ruth I think he's still only like 21 made it up to the big leagues uh, in NPB two years ago I want to say uh, but he's a first base prospect slash first baseman for them so I feel like I would have to go with one of those but if it's just obscure jersey night not necessarily obscure baseball jersey night I might break out I remember when I was in high school my dad brought me back a hurling jersey from Ireland. Uh, hurling is is kind of like field hockey, Sam. Right, I, I believe. Uh, so I've got like a uh, it's, hurling. It's a combination of many things. It's yeah, it's one of those sports sport on grass. Yeah, I, I can do a whole podcast on hurling. It's it's that's going to be our our spinoff show. Will be uh, the show before the hurling. 
Um, <laughs> Wait, so what? I'm sorry, I missed the first part. Where Where's the hurling jersey from? My dad brought it back from Dublin. Uh, I have no idea what team it is. I was like, okay. you have to show it to me later. I want to say, yeah, I'll show it to you. I would assume it's Dublin because hurling over there, there's like club teams, but there's also county teams, and they have what's called the All Ireland, where literally the entire island competes against each other. That's outstanding. Uh, in Gaelic football and hurling, and it's. It's so much fun to watch and play. I highly recommend. Go look up hurling highlights on YouTube. You'll lose an afternoon doing so, but it's it's tremendous. That's terrific. Um, so I probably do one of those. So I mentioned uh, obscure Jersey night, and now we have uh, Sam going off on uh, on soliloquies about hurling. And and Sam, uh, no, don't, don't get defensive. It's okay. No, I was going to say like I could go off in another direction because my mind was going to my SC Cambor jersey, which their their kit sponsor is a Dykstra. So like, ah, that's cool. It's a team in Dutch soccer that has Dykstra on the front, not on the back. Um, so that that's probably what I would wear. But go ahead. That's uh, you would run. You would run a foul of Herb Brooks, uh, the of course very famous yes. 1980 uh, U.S. Olympic gold medal hockey head coach who says the name on the front of the jersey is a hell of a lot more important than the name on the back. But your yeah. name is on the front of that jersey, so it's just it's, a way it, to promote your own selfishness, Sam. It is spelled the old world way, which is D I J K. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a cool little Dutch spin. Anyways, we've gone now to Ireland and the Netherlands, and I feel like I'm taking over this podcast. Ben, what would you wear? Yeah, and what are you going to do? Uh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't really have any obscure jerseys. I just live an obscure life, so it just kind of by <laughs> default, just by existing. But thinking of you know representing the team on the front, not the name on the back, but an occasion to do both, like Sam Dykstra. Uh, was just talking about it does bring to mind when I visited New Orleans uh, back when they were the Zephyrs a number of years ago Austin Nola was on the team and the Zephyrs at that point were especially Nola jerseys and then I did an interview with Austin Nola about uh, wearing Nola jerseys which was maybe a little bit of a stretch for feature length story but you know writers got to (laughs) do writers got to do what a writer's got to do moving on this might be uh, another one that uh, Sam might want to have a comment on at least uh, we'll see but the the Dutch Irish relations night. Yeah, <laughs> I throw out the first page. What? I call every this is day. amazing. <laughs> the top of the inning is in Gaelic. The bottom of the inning is in Dutch. It's you know. Anyway, go on. The Worcester Red Sox, Worcester, uh, June fourteenth. They're celebrating Worcester's three hundredth anniversary. So if my math is correct, that that town was founded in seventeen twenty two, the heart of the Commonwealth, um, the second biggest city in New England. Uh, unbeknownst to me until I visited there, but celebrating the 300th anniversary. So I imagine there's lots of nooks and crannies and rabbit holes to go down. And if you know that franchise, you know, having moved from Pawtucket, but that ownership group, Dr. Charles Steinberg, uh, they like to kind of go all out with that, that sort of thing. And uh, I'll be curious to, to see what they're celebrating when it comes to 300 years of Worcester. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I got to say, like, for all the, the noise that it made from the move from Pawtucket to, to Worcester, they have done a really good job of getting the city of Worcester, the region of central Massachusetts, uh, to really, you know, gather around that team and claim it as their own um, and celebrate the city that it's in. Because I, you mentioned it being, you know, the second biggest city in New England, but in many ways, Worcester is in the shadow of Boston. And people just assume, oh, well, you're, you're just going to Boston all the time. It's like, no, Worcester is its own place. And it, it has its own culture. It has its own um, way of doing things. And I think celebrating that 300 years is, is insane. I mean, the reason why it was 300 years and not even older is just because people first settled on the coast and then they slowly made their, their way West. Um, and that's when Worcester became incorporated. But, 
uh, yeah, fascinating to see just how far back they're going to go. Are they going to do stuff from the 1720s or they, is it mostly just going to be like, hey, this is all the things that, that makes Worcester great now. It's 300 like, years, there's lots of stuff to do. With it. Yeah, like, they'll go all salute, the way back. Salute to from cabbage from farms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a better idea than mine of dying from tuberculosis. But, um, uh, <laughs> uh, moving on to Omaha. Scurvy, scurvy <laughs> night in Worcester. Maybe they're going to do something with tenterhooks. Scurvy night, there's no lemons. There's no lemonade. There's nothing. There's no citrus fruit at all in the, uh, in the vicinity. I'm already liking this segment quite a bit. There's so many opportunities for uh, tangents. Um, the Omaha Storm Chasers, uh, no strangers to food, alternate identities. You know, we've talked about runzas in the past. We've talked about uh, sizzle, uh, steak themed. This year they have a salute to corn night with jerseys. And that's finally. Yeah, that's, you know, C-O-R-N, not new metal related, but uh, <laughs> corn, just corn. The, the America's biggest crop, I believe, by a wide margin. So I have not seen those jerseys. I'm not sure if they've been released, uh, but a corn a salute to corn in Nebraska, I guess, makes sense. I'll be curious to see uh, in, what way, in what ways uh, corn is saluted uh, as a new fee. Uh, my, old, uh, my old alma mater. We do it every, every day and every night. I was going to say, yeah, Tyler, like how is corn celebrated? at the university of Nebraska. Um, you know, uh, Other used to be, hats. used I, to I be with successful, uh, a successful athletic department. Not so much anymore on the women's side, still not so much on the men's side. I do have one of those hats. It's a giant corn cob though. I do have one of those. My foster dog tried chewing it up yesterday. And my girlfriend was probably fine with that. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes these segues are tough because these topics are so disparate, uh, disparate, disparate, disparate. Um, April 15th is Jackie Robinson Day, as you guys all know. Um, the Gwinnett Stripers that day are suiting up as the Atlantic, well, the Atlanta Negro League team, the Atlanta Black Crackers. Uh, you know, the, there was a white professional team in the area at that time called the Crackers. So the, the Negro League team was the Black Crackers, but they're wearing those jerseys. And that team was around for a lot of years and celebrating that history. So I think that had a very cool ABC logo. Really, really cool. Hmm. Yeah, so that's an interesting, uh, you know, uh, jersey, uh, theme night jersey they'll be wearing. Another one on June 4th is, uh, you know, the Gwinnett Stripers playing Gwinnett County. And Gwinnett County, that area of Georgia, is named for Button Gwinnett. And I don't know too much about this guy, but he's a signer of the Constitution, I believe. So they're wearing Button Gwinnett jerseys. Um, I imagine those jerseys will have buttons. Um <laughs> But celebrating, you know, that history, uh, Button Gwinnett jerseys uh, on June 4th at Gwinnett. So I think that's a another good one to to learn about things. And uh, food related, they've got a crawfish boil and a whole hog barbecue on the promo schedule, too. So uh, some big food things going on there. Can I just say real quick about Button Gwinnett? This is in the first paragraph of his Wikipedia page, which, you know, take it for whatever it's worth. It's, it's Wikipedia. Uh, Button Gwinnett. One of his the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He was briefly the provisional president of Georgia, and Gwinnett County is, is named after him, as we know. Another guy killed by a duel. Wow. Wow. By a rival following a dispute after a failed invasion of East Florida. Two things. One, imagine trying to invade Florida nowadays. Like, what do you need it for? Two, um, just kidding, Florida. Calm oh, down. Just kidding. Uh, two, we always talk about oh, the founding fathers. What geniuses. So many of these dudes died in duels. How bright were they? You know, come on. Well, 
If we look uh, at dying as a uh, something that disqualifies one from being uh, considered smart, I think dying in, a, no, in an extremely preventable way. <laughs> it's not like you idiot, you died in a duel. It's not how like you, he got tuberculosis, you, you know. <laughs> R.I.P. Arthur Morgan. Spoiler alert: Don't duel, kids. That's, that's yeah. Just don't <laughs> duel, kids. Don't dueling duel. is there's a reason dueling fell out of fashion. Also, I wonder the way, if there were 18th century PSAs. <laughs> <laughs> But there was no TV or radio, so it was just a guy running. It was a guy riding around on a horse, like "Don't duel." Brought to you by the Ad Council. <laughs> well, another great segue. Let's move on to um, let's move on to Saint Paul, the Saint Paul Saints. Um, you know that they have a long history as an independent club before coming the AAA uh, Twins affiliate last year, and known for some uh, pretty crazy promotions. And they're really trying to keep that spirit in the comparatively more comparatively more buttoned down speaking of buttons, buttons uh world of minor league baseball so just looking at the saints schedule it's all over the place you know stuff uh the longest minnesota goodbye of your life on april 28th and i guess that's a reference to uh a minnesota goodbye i think it's like the opposite of an irish goodbye where you just kind of sneak out i think a minnesota goodbye is like you pretend to be nice to everybody. Yeah, you say goodbye really and you're rude. still talking. But uh, again, I don't know the specifics of a Minnesota <laughs> goodbye, but they're celebrating that on April 28th. Um, on June 7th, they're playing the Rochester Red Wings, who used to be a Twins affiliate before St. Paul took that affiliation over. And the promotional theme night is just, well, this is awkward. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what goes on. And then they're doubling down on their Red Wings trolling the next night by staging in like an educational evening around the differences between Rochester, New York and Rochester, Minnesota. Ah, I had a friend who uh, worked at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota and told me that it would get so cold there that his uh, trash can would freeze shut. So he couldn't take the trash out. And that seems like a place I never want to see. Anyway, that's please said, but Rochester, New York, gets pretty cold too. So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Claim frozen trash cans. And then, <laughs> but I'm sure there are differences in these Rochester's. Man, the St. Paul Saints. Well, I'll skip that one. It's it's uh, it's too weird. Um, <laughs> it's too weird. Well, no, it's not too weird. It's just so random. There was one night where their promotional description was, <laughs> "We put the fu in fun." <laughs> excuse, excuse me. Excuse, excuse me. <laughs> I'm just saying that's on the promo schedule. Huh. Uh, so so uh, another night, September 13th, exploring ridiculous laws. Uh, I think teams have done variations on that. I know when the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp did their Florida man promotion, they uh, kind of broke strange Florida laws throughout the, throughout the evening. So everyone could be in a sense, a Florida man. I do remember like in the early days, of the internet, when you get like those fun facts, emails uh, from people, I do remember loving reading the absurd laws. I don't know how many of those were ever actually real, but there were laws like, ah, it's uh, it's illegal to own a duck and a cat in the same house in Arkansas. And I was like, what could this have possibly been about? Yeah, you can't walk your pet alligator across the street. In right, Carolina. right. Yeah, so what should we move on to now? There is uh, so much going on here. Just another random one. Uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, you know, they have pork racers, you know, three uh, anthropomorphic pieces of meat product that, uh, that race. I'm trying to remember their names. Um, you know, one's like a piece of bacon with his tongue out and all these uh, weirdos but there's also a, a female uh, pork racer named barbecue so on bachelorette night the other pork racers who are all uh, male pork racers let's not get into this too much <laughs> they're all competing for barbecue's love 
on what night is this? This is on August 10th. So if you want to see three pork racers compete for the love of barbecue. I mean, based off all (laughs) the bachelor and bachelorette tweets, I see every week, this seems like the reality TV version of minor league baseball, I guess there seems to be some sort of appetite for that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, and well, I think it speaks to this larger thing that the iron pigs never miss an opportunity to make a pig pun. Their Italian heritage night is Hogfather night. Oh, Hogfather. Oh boy. Um, Problematic. <laughs> Problematic. <laughs> the Syracuse Mets. Yeah, they're the team that does your friend in the corn night. That's what it is uh, for Field of Dreams. And Dwyer Brown will be at that. You know, he was in the movie Field of Dreams. He plays. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting who he plays. Ray can uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, on your friend in the corn night and uh that's on july 30th and then on august 12th is the place where you used to go to work night uh with stanley from the show the office but it's called you used to go to work where you used to go to work night <laughs> other teams say it's the place you go to work but i guess syracuse mets are still you know being a little safer and uh working from home whenever possible so the place where you used to go to work night i just want to say that your friend in the corn night made me think of children of the corn and not field of dreams Yes, I, I could see that. I it's a very, very different promo. It is a very, very different, very different night. <laughs> would like to see it. Don't get me wrong. Would like to see it, but it would be a very different experience. Yeah, the Syracuse Mets also have um, on August 13th a Phil the Vulture Regan bobblehead. Is it Regan or Regan? Uh, you know, long, long time Mets pitching coach mm-hmm. who's still at camp. I interviewed him when he was in St. Lucie about a decade ago, but and he had a short stint as sort of an interim. Mets uh, major league pitching coach a couple years ago and he was in his eighties and now he's an 84, 85 years That's old. That's right. So, I remember that. So celebrating a, a true baseball lifer who is still suiting up and going to work every day. Uh, you know, that is a big one. Um, speaking of big ones, the Jacksonville jumbo shrimp, you know, for my money, probably do the best, one of the best promo schedules in all of minor league baseball. We've had David rats, their promotion director on the show. So a lot of stuff going on there. The frozen pizza Olympics, where they're taking Olympic events and trying to utilize frozen pizzas uh, as uh, the equipment in pretty much any possible Olympic event, frozen pizza Olympics. That's on uh, April 8th. Um, I believe this is a promotion that was supposed to happen during the 2020 season, and now it's finally happening for real in 2022. Uh, April 19th is Deaf and Blind Awareness Night with a Ray Charles bobblehead. Ray Charles is from that region. And I know that there's a, a school for the deaf and blind that he attended and they're getting members of that band to the ballpark, I believe, um, to, uh, to play that during that night. But the Ray Charles bobblehead, I'm sure, will be a very big one. Uh, another one they have that I put on Twitter the other day, got a good response. And I think, you know, maybe the best just standalone theme night of minor league baseball this year, June 24th, cathartic scream night, where prior to singing, take me out to the ball game, they will lead the entire ballpark in a cathartic scream just to get out any and all frustrations. There is nothing that all of us have needed more over the last one or two or five or 20 years than that. That's a terrific idea. Yeah, is that on opening day? Can we just make that like every every Thursday? Can that just be that just be a daily thing in the seventh inning yeah. stretch? Isn't this how like you know tradition starts? Is that everybody it, somebody does it once and it catches on, and then all of a sudden we're always doing it? Like just yeah, that is June twenty fourth, but that is that is a great one. Not soon enough. <laughs> yeah, not soon enough. Maybe we'll all be feeling great by then. Won't we need it? Maybe, maybe. 
And, uh, you know, I think that's, I can sort of cut it off here because there's just always so many different things to, uh, to mention. Um, Milo the Bat Dog is going to be in Rochester this year um, as one of like the highlights of their promotional schedule for those who love bat dogs. Uh, he will appear on April 12th on May 21st with a meet and pet and a autographed, autographed poster. And then he'll show up again uh, on, on July 30th. So they're really making, you know, standalone Milo the Bat Dog nights. And um, they are another team, the place where people go to work night. And not with Stanley, but with Meredith uh, appearing. So, and that is all I've seen thus far in terms of uh, office cast members. It's either Meredith, whose name is, I believe, it's Flannery. Kate Flannery. Kate Flannery, yeah. Kate Flannery and Stanley, who is Leslie, David Leslie Baker, I believe. Yes. So those that's are the right. two still making the minor league baseball rounds on uh, theme nights titled something along the lines of the place where you go to work nights. <laughs> Kevin, Apparently. Kevin used to do it. We've seen yeah, Kevin not, at minor not, league ballparks. I've not, not seen any year. Kevin appearances. He might be sitting this one out or maybe I just haven't come across it yet. I still have more promo schedules to explore, but that was a, uh, you know, comparatively in depth, but by no means even close to thorough overview of some of the triple a highlights. And, uh, uh, we'll keep doing this over the next couple of weeks, going level by level over the next three weeks, uh, double a, and uh, high A and low A uh, all the way down. Yeah, this was this was very fun. And I think if there is a theme throughout all of this, my early clubs, if you want to launder your theme night names, like you can't say The Office, you can't say Field of Dreams, just have us talk about it. Because like we're not selling tickets for you. Nobody's going to sue us for saying like, hey, this is actually an office thing. Yeah, we answer to no one, which is actually the motto of the podcast. We operate outside the law. Soon, we're going to do nothing but talk hurling. As, as noted. <laughs> so, you know, Hey, no hey, rules apply here. Yeah. All, all that hurling talk and, you know, me being a man of a certain age to me, that's just a Wayne's world reference. It's not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we could manifest this into a hurling pot, I'll, I'll make it happen. So be on the lookout for, uh, for these segments as we'll go level by level uh, to get you ready for minor league baseball opening day coming up on April 5th and AAA, April 8th, everywhere else. Uh, and we're going to head uh, to some baseball conversation. Uh, Sam, tee it up for us. Yeah, our own Kelsey Hennigan joins us, joins us here in this next segment. Um, she just got off the plane a couple hours ago last night uh, from her trip to Arizona. She saw four different camps down there. Obviously, minor league spring training is ongoing right now, as Tyler said at the beginning of this segment. Uh, Major League Spring Training is still waiting on the CBA to be ratified and signed and those two sides to come to an agreement. That being said, minor leaguers are getting ready for that opening day, which is coming quicker and quicker uh, right around the corner. So Kelsey got to talk to a bunch of top prospects and now she gets to talk to us right here next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, I heard guest on the show before the show this week isn't so much a guest as somebody who we've had on the show before, more of a fourth co-host, I guess, for this segment. Uh, it's Kelsey Anigan of MLB.com and MILB.com, freshly off her trip to Arizona. Kelsey, how are you? 
good. I got sunburned. So what else do you need? <laughs> well, yeah. So you were, you just got back from Arizona last night. Yeah. I got into Newark at 11 and then made my way back to Manhattan. Uh, so I am fresh off of going to four camps in three days. Uh, so that was a lot of fun and cool to see the variety of how each type of camp does it and which prospects are available and who's pitching that day and things like that. Yeah. So we should remind everybody just in case there's any confusion for whatever reason, these are minor league camps. These are not your standard cactus league camps. There's no like main setup and then the backfields are being used. It's mostly backfield stuff right now, but just take us through the vibe of what that's like, because you know, we are in the middle of a work stoppage. There aren't 40 man guys at these camps. So it's not the big attention. So you're kind of really behind the scenes here and something that not a lot of fans get to see. Yeah. It's really interesting. I had never been to a cactus league game or covered anything from the cactus league before. So this was kind of all I know and what I have to compare. And a lot of the minor leaguers, that's what it was for them. They are used to being on the backfields. They're used to like everything is the same for them, except for they have a little bit run of show, you know, they can go to more parks and more um, areas because there's no major leaguers taking up space. So it's kind of fun for them. I think obviously not the most fun situation in general, but there were some pluses to that. Um, and there were some fans there actually at Royals and Mariners camp that got to get behind the scenes look that maybe they don't get to see as much because there's so much action happening at the big stage. Yeah. And um, so we, take us through the four camps that you went to see again over those. So I went to Royals, Mariners, Rangers, and Padres. Okay. So at Royals camp, mm-hmm. you had maybe my favorite update that I've seen from anybody's spring training. You talked to Bobby Witt Jr., obviously in the conversation for top overall prospect in the game right now. Um, but what, what stood out from your conversation with him in terms of like getting ready for 2022 and also what the heck he had on his face? <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, we talked about a lot of things first we talked about last year, his breakout, um, how great he did. Um, I asked him about who he thinks is the top prospect in baseball. He said, he's not concerned, which isn't that much of a surprise. He's just, you know, focused on getting to the majors and, you know, obviously a major leaguer is a better title than top prospect. Um, so that's something he's thinking on. And I had to ask him about the home run last year that got called the triple because the umpire ruled he didn't step on home. And he says that he's pretty sure he did. And he has seen the clip since and still thinks that he did, but, uh, he said it was pretty cool that Patrick Mahomes, uh, who's a co-owner of the Royals weighed in on Twitter and got involved. And so that was fun. Um, but then because he's just so well known for all of his tools on the field, I had to ask him what 70 grade tool he has off the field. And the first thing he said was not golf, which is also something that uh, Jack Leiter, who I talked to later at Rangers camp said. Um, but then he said that he's currently working on growing a mustache and you know, I can't judge mustaches obviously, but he said that it's currently, he grades it at a 20. Um, and he's put 21 years of work into that mustache. He said, and it's still a 20, but he's hopeful that one day it could become a 70. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I think you can judge mustaches, by the way, to say you can't judge mustaches, uh, slightly off, but anyways, but yeah. So in terms of like getting ready for the season, um, you also talked to Jack Leiter. You talked to mm-hmm. CJ Abrams. Was there any theme that came up with with these top guys? You mentioned 
they don't really care so much about being top prospects and where mm-hmm. they're going to shake out in rankings. A lot of these guys are trying to make the majors, but Jack Leiter, this is his first spring. CJ Abrams coming off injury. There's a lot of talk, lot to talk to these guys about. Was there any theme that came up in your conversations? with? Prospects? Yeah. I mean, especially with Jack and CJ in particular, because they didn't really play much. Um, you know, CJ Abrams was limited to 44 games or 40 games last year due to a broken leg. Um, and Jack Leiter getting drafted, then didn't really go into affiliated ball. So I think they both are just ready to, you know, to show what they can do. You know, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of hype around these guys and Bobby Witt Jr. in particular. And so they're kind of just ready to get out there. Um, you know, I think at Major League Camp, people always joke about being in the best shape of your life. And, you know, and being a seasoned major leaguer, it makes sense that you're always comparing last year. You're thinking about this year versus in the minors, you're still proving yourself. So it's interesting to see them, you know, spring training is almost like a mini version of the minor leagues. Like you're, you're developing, you're growing and you're proving to the big league managers, like what you can do. And in terms of logistics for how things are working right now in spring training, you saw some sim games, saw some guys throwing live VP. What are guys doing right now? Or at least what you were allowed to see um, during media access? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of practice. It, I mean, it took me back to when I played softball in high school, actually, um, just, you know, hearing the click clack of the cleats on concrete. Um, and then, you know, everyone's stretching in the morning and then they separate the pitchers go one way, the infielders one way, the outfielders another, and they're just doing drills for the most part, uh, at Royals camp, they did like, you know, it was just the normal hitting balls to the infielders. But when they threw home, there were two buckets stacked together and they had to try to hit the bucket. And it's incredible how many of them missed it because it's just like these are professional baseball players. You would think their accuracy like within six inches is like pretty decent, but they still missed it because, I mean, it's spring training for everyone. Um, so it's a lot of that. A lot of pitchers fielding practice, PFPs, just cool to see. Um, at Padres camp, I did get to see a sim game which was awesome um, to see just these guys hit off each other. Cause that's something else that they all brought up was that, you know, it's fun taking batting practice and being on the field again, but it's just not the same as a game and being in game action. And that's something that they're looking forward to about the actual season, but at least a SIM game is one step closer to that. And was there anybody that you got to see in any of these drills who really like piqued your interest or somebody you saw take a really good round of batting practice or throw in a bullpen that, that kind of caught your eye? Um, no one, let's see. I mean, CJ Abrams and Robert Hassel, a third, it was really cool seeing them in the sim game yesterday. And also, um, Alec Jacob of the Padres, he is like kind of a sidearm, but almost like in between a sidearm and a regular. So that was like a really cool style to see. Um, and then just, I mean, Bobby Witt Jr., you know, every time when he was doing outfield drills, if the pitching machine or the guy who was hitting it to the outfield, if they accidentally hit one too far, you know, he still would try and get it. And then he's like, okay, one more, one more. So it's, it's fun seeing, you know, these, you know, maybe cliche things, but to be able to actually see it in person that these like athletes really do want to try harder and like make sure they finish on a strong note was cool. Hmm. And what, what do you feel like was your biggest takeaway then? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, this time in baseball has been hard for a lot of people in a lot of different ways, including these professional athletes that are not a part of the larger discussions right now, really, but they're still emotionally invested. They're still, you know, professionally invested. 
and to see them just still be able to put their head down and to work and to get excited about minor league opening day on April 5th and April 8th for the lower levels is, was really exciting. And there's still that promise of what spring means, even if there's still a cloud in baseball right now. And I'll, I'll ask this of both you and Tyler, because Tyler has a lot of experience in Arizona spring training. What was your favorite Arizona spring training setup? Mm. Um, I mean, the Royals was pretty good. It was pretty straightforward, but you could kind of see where all the fields were. There was a straight line between the paths and I saw everything. Um, Mariners, I didn't fully uh, explore, but I got, it, it's felt more compact. Padres was kind of a mix of that. And Padres and Mariners are in the same area, the same complex in Peoria and the Rangers and Royals are in the same complex and surprise. Um, but the Padres one, I liked it, but I got lost twice, actually, to be honest, going through the backfields. And like, I went around one outfield and I thought I was going to appear by a different field, but it was not the same one. So I guess the Royals, um, I don't know. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, it's uh, much easier in Florida uh, or in Arizona than Florida, from what I've heard, because pretty much all of the minor league facilities are uh, on the same campus, if you will, as the major league facilities. I think only Oakland and San Francisco are, are different in that regard. Um, I really like the the Guardians slash Red setup out in Goodyear, which is uh, a ways out. It's the, the farthest one out there um, from really central Phoenix. Um, but I like that one. Uh, I really like the, the cub setup in Mesa, which is, um, you know, just sprawling and beautiful. Uh, and weirdly, I like the angel setup in Tempe, which I know, uh, is kind of, uh, one of the older parks. Um, but I like the fact that everything is, you know, you can walk out of a big league game at Tempe Diablo stadium. And within a five minute walk, you're in the center of every single minor league field that they've got. Um, but it's cool. I do love that about Arizona that everything is so close. It's also, um, you know, compact and, uh, and fairly easily navigable. Yeah. Some of them can be kind of, uh, labyrinthian and, uh, <laughs> and easy to get lost in, but that is the cool thing about Arizona. It makes everything so easily accessible. Um, and yeah, it's neat that, you know, we've gotten so many questions in, uh, to the podcast or our email inbox over the last few weeks of, hey, if I'm planning on being in Arizona or Florida, do I have the ability um, to go check out minor league camp and watch minor league games and all of that? Um, did you get any sense of, of other uh, facilities that do have that open or will be open at some point um, over the next you know three weeks now to, to fans? Yeah, so Mariners is open now. I believe the Royals said that they were going to start maybe tomorrow. I can't remember, but um, definitely check the team pages on that. It seems like they more camps are starting to open up to fans. And I think that they were in past years. You guys would know better than me. It's just that now it's like, this is the only show in town. So they really want you to be able to experience it. Um, and I know the Marlins will be open to fans on Saturday and Sunday in Florida, um, in Jupiter. So it seems like there's a good variety of places. It's just depending on, it's just a fluid situation because of COVID because of, you know, what's going on in the majors. So but I would just check the team pages because it seems like more and more they are opening up. Yeah, and if I could jump in really quick here, uh, this is Ben Hill, Kelsey, I'm sitting next to you. Um, <laughs> Hello. Hi. Um, you know, as you know, uh, we're working on the ballpark guide project, doing ballpark guides for every minor league stadium. Um, maybe down the line, if the project continues, you know, we, we move into spring training facilities, hit the Cactus League. I know you're very busy on these trips, but uh, and maybe Tyler can jump in or Sam at you guys have been there. I've never been on a baseball trip in Arizona, but are there any, you know, sites, uh, attractions, uh, local restaurants, uh, you know, things that stood out for you during your time there? I mean, it is 
pretty cool. As Tyler started talking about, they're very close together. And I mean, 30 minutes apart, maybe 40 minutes apart for the entire Cactus League. Um, like actually on Saturday night, I was able to hang out with a lot of the MLB.com beat reporters who are all there. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm a 20 minute drive away from here, like in Phoenix. Like, so everyone is close by. And that's definitely one of the coolest things about Phoenix in general. And the Cactus League, I always thought that that would be a good bachelor or bachelorette party would be to go to spring training uh, in Arizona and just yeah. like go or to you games. you could have a surprise party. Yes, you <laughs> could have a surprise party. Go to the Rangers marriage uh, or Rangers. Yes. Um, let's see. I mean, I stayed in Glendale and it was right by the where the Arizona Cardinals play. And there's a big entertainment center called Westgate. Um, and it was shops and restaurants and bars. And that was a pretty cool area to go to. Um, truthfully, I hit up a lot of chains because I am on the East coast now and I missed West coast chains. So I had to go to in and out. I had to go to Del Taco. I even went to Sonic, um, which I used to have in Missouri. Um, so I did a lot of that, but I'm sure there are more local things that Tyler could speak to. You know, I'm trying to like look up the names of all the places that I love that I uh, have forgotten over the last several years uh, in uh, the Phoenix area. I was a day away from traveling to Phoenix um, to hit spring training when the pandemic hit in uh, in 2020. I, I think Josh Jackson was going to meet me there as well that year, um, but just missed out on uh, on that experience, unfortunately. So I'm trying to go back and uh, look at the, the top places. There are extremely good coffee shops and restaurants all over the place. Uh, Matt's Big Breakfast, I know, is a really good um, breakfast spot, obviously, as uh, as you would imagine, that uh, has been one of our favorite stops um, for the few years that we uh, got a chance to go down there, me and Josh. Um, the coffee shop that I am trying to find, there are two of them. Uh, there is one, the Coronado, which uh, hopefully is still around because when I looked it up on uh, Google Maps, it was not popping up for me. Okay, it is. It's still there. Um, there's also an ice cream place there that is obscene, uh, and it is called Novel Ice Cream. Uh, Novel Ice Cream, I remember when I went there uh, a few years ago, we had uh, – <laughs> I had a – it was a cinnamon toast crunch ice cream of some kind. And it was like sandwiched between two cookies and the ice cream was blue for some reason, because it had something to do with cookie monster. It was incredible. Um, so that's a great stop. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're somebody who's, you know, from out East, you can hit in and out, you can hit Whataburger. Um, they've got the, it's kind of the, the cone of good fast food burger joints uh, down in Phoenix, but you really can't go wrong. The Mexican food obviously is incredible in Phoenix. Anywhere you stop uh, is going to be amazing. And that's one of my favorite things about going to Arizona is the fact that the food is just as good and as fun as the baseball. Big fan of that. Yeah. And if, if we're throwing out other neighborhoods real quick, um, one I would say is old town in Scottsdale. If you wanted that kind yeah, of very cool. Western feel, uh, it, it, I mean, it, it, it says what it is on the tin. It, it feels like an old town. It feels like an old Western spot. Uh, it's fun to walk around at night or in the middle of the day. Uh, really appreciate that. Also the area around the botanical garden, um, kind of down there near Arizona state, uh, it was one of my favorite spots to go running. If you, if you're into that, you can also go walk around it during the day. I know a lot of people are, are big into hiking and, and go towards, um, Camelback. I wasn't able to do that, but, um, it is a really nice place to walk around, especially if you're not from the area and just the thought of the desert is new to you. And you're going to point out every cactus that you see. Um, that's a kind of special place to do it. 
Uh, there's also a, only a couple hour drive. Uh, eh, maybe it's like two and a half, but Sedona is close by. Sedona is incredible. Um, Tucson, a, a former host spot for major league teams for so long for spring training, uh, is not that far away. You can go to Tucson. You can check out the University of Arizona. Uh, Arizona State plays their home games in uh, Phoenix Municipal Stadium, which is the former spring training home of the uh, Oakland Athletics um, and is a place where the light towers came from the polo grounds, which is one of my favorite baseball fun facts ever um there's just so much cool stuff uh to to do in the phoenix area that is pretty cool and if we do do the ballpark guides in arizona um will borth of uh, one of our co-workers mlb pipeline he lives in arizona so i'm sure he would be an expert in all these things yeah, and starting next year you can go catch the uh, arizona coyotes who are going to play their home games in like a coat closet so that's cool if you're a hockey <laughs> fan <laughs> Yeah, I did get to visit the Tucson Padres during their brief existence uh, before they moved to El Paso. And I saw a game in Kino Stadium that used to host uh, spring training. And uh, I also visited High Corbett Field in Tucson. And that has a distinction in that uh, portions of Major League were filmed there, uh, including some of the scenes with uh, Charlie Sheen is a wild thing. Um, So that's another uh, Arizona baseball destination that just came to my mind. And uh, yeah, it's the Cactus League. And so I hope you saw a lot of cactus, cacti. 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 Yes, yeah. I, I took a picture of cactus. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I will treasure it forever. Well, I have a okay. single no. photo of a cactus that I will turn into yeah. an NFT. Yeah, Mariners camp, actually. Uh, I, I saw Ichiro. That was stretching. And I'm like, that's cool. And I saw a cactus. And so I'm like, that's the highlight of Mariners camp. Um, but you know, I, I've started like doing more TikToks for MILB and, you know, thinking in the mindset of, okay, what is this sound? What can I film to match the sound? So it's been pretty funny. And like, you know, the picture of a cactus might come up at some point and things like that, but it was a great time. And I'm excited to go to Florida on Saturday to keep it going. Cacti to grapefruit. Exactly. Yeah, two so. things I don't want to eat. <laughs> I I accidentally ate a cactus taco at our old office in Chelsea Market, and it was fine. But it was kind of slimy. Anybody so. who doesn't like cactus is no pal of mine. That's a Spanish for cactus. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's why I ordered cactus because no it was Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Kelsey, with all your Arizona stories. And yeah, we'll have to have you back to, to talk about Florida as well. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We interrupt this podcast to bring you another thrilling edition of Ghosts of the Miners. Now, here's your correspondent and host, Joshua Jackson. Miners, in which all of you out there in radio.
Radio Land must identify the legitimate historical ball club hiding amidst the fraudulent pair. One was so real you could taste it. The others are only hot air. In the last segment, I asked you which of the following minor league baseball teams did at one point exist. A. The Palm Desert Dates. B. The Burlington Beet Pickers. C. The Hammond Berries. For a good breakfast, choose Hammond Eggs. But for a historical miners team, pick the Hammond Berries. C. Growing in the biggest burg of Louisiana's Tangipo Parish, the Hammond Berries sweetened up the Evangeline League from 1946 to 1951. At one time, Hammond was considered the strawberry capital of America, and the Sporting News once proclaimed, many of the fans who support the team are farmers who produce the luscious berries. Throughout Hammond's inaugural campaign of 46, however, as the Evangeline League enjoyed the fruits of freedom in returning to baseball after the war, the berries were buried, 44 and 87. But after an 8th place debut, the Hammond Club had ripened into a winner, and the Berries seeded not one inch all year long in 47, winning their first of three championships during their six seasons in the sun. Two of the three pieces of Hammond's hardware were won under the leadership of pitcher, outfielder, infielder Paul Bruno, who midway through 47 was described in the national press as the Berries' answer to Bob Teller, Babe Ruth, and Lou Gehrig. Bruno reportedly had a habit of moving from first base onto the mound to get key strikeouts whenever the berries were in a jam. <laughs> Although they smushed into the playoffs in fourth place, they eliminated the first place Alexandria Aces, then swept the Thibodeau Giants, winning game four 11-1, with the 33-year-old Bruno logging the clinching victory himself. The Berries had a chance to wind up as the league's topping again had not foul weather flooded the field to end the 48 playoffs after they finished the regular season in second. They kept the good taste fresh in fans' mouths with another title under Bruno in 49. But the old skipper had knee troubles through the season and Feller Ruth garrett his way into a mere 58 games that year. In 1950, Bruno was replaced by former Phillies catcher Joe Cratcher, who in turn midseason was replaced by some other Joe, Joe Powers, a pitcher who managed the Berries to a final piece of the pie in 51. But somehow, the Berries' flavor had faded for fans. In March 1952, the Greenville Delta Democrat Times reported that despite the club's winning ways, attendance had ebbed the previous year, and Hammond was bowing out of the Evangeline League. And that's how the berries buckle. Now, on to the question for next time. Which of these quick-footed fleets tried to get into the race in the miners of yesteryear? A, the Huntington Hot Hoofs. B, the Jonesboro Zebras. C, the Prairie Creek Pronghorns. Want to know the answer? Get running. Or tune in to the next Ghost of the Miners. But for now, you'll have to excuse me. My producer, Ben Hill, couldn't get tickets to see Miles Davis, and he's kind of blue.
thanks to uh, Josh Jackson for swinging by on this week's episode of Ghosts of the Miners. Uh, that dude does so much work on Ghosts of the Miners. Like, Ghosts of the Miners is so well researched and done. And every week we are we're very fortunate to have Josh along for that. Um, so big thanks, big thanks to Josh doing it for yeah. I gotta house. say, also Josh broke the Encanto rule. I don't yeah. know if you guys, if you guys saw the, the script. He talked about Bruno. That's what that's about. about Bruno. Yeah, that's... I had no idea what that was in reference to. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm no, going to join Tyler and not getting the reference. Ah. And I said, yeah, like I knew what you were going to say. And then I, <laughs> I, had, and I, had, I was like, oh, this is not at all what I thought. Um, no, but I've seen that on Twitter so much in recent weeks. And it's like one of those, you know, you log in sometimes on Twitter and everybody's in on a new joke and you're like, I don't know. And I'm not going to look it up. And so that's what that was. I was going to say, do you want me to, to sit down, you two old people, and explain you the joke, or do you want to just go on? Wow. A slightly younger millennial is dunking <laughs> on the two of us millennials. <laughs> hey, I would consider myself, I'm actually a Gen X. Are you a Gen Xer? Wow. Okay. Okay. The poor man's boomers. Um, just the poor man's boomers. <laughs> well, completely, completely absent from the cultural conversation, which just feeds into the... Uh, how we felt our whole lives a little neglected you know children of neglect and divorce and uh, everyone else had something better to do in woodstock 99 yeah yeah <laughs> you know crazy also i want to point out what is this energy we're ending the show on this week Jeez. i want to point out ben went a long time without a haircut he got a haircut his hair is already immaculately long again how does I can't this believe it. I, I have in the no like good hair. Your hair is incredible. Look at this. You got a haircut like two months ago. It's already like, it's it's feathered. It's got layers. I don't know. These are things I hear my girlfriend say. I don't know what that means, but it's it's magnificent. No, oh, thank you. I appreciate that, Tyler. Yeah, it's been more than two months, but because I get so few haircuts, I still have it in my mind that I quote just got a haircut. And then I look <laughs> in the mirror and I'm like, maybe I didn't just get a. I haircut. I just got a haircut. Oh wait, that was August. When yeah, was that? Exactly. Do you remember when it was? Yeah, I think it was even, uh, no, when what? Yeah, I don't remember. It was, <laughs> it was a while ago, though. It was a it long wasn't time like ago. Christmas time, and I'm like, how does Ben's hair grow this fast? It wasn't, it wasn't, that. it was after Christmas. I can't okay. remember when it was, but um, I, when I go a long time without getting a haircut, then I'm way too precious and overthink getting a haircut, and I feel weirdly self conscious about walking into a barbershop with long hair. Is it their job? Isn't the cut hair that grows too long? <laughs> and uh, there's a barbershop in my neighborhood that I'd never gone to. And um, I would like scope it out and uh, it didn't seem very, you know, crowded usually. And especially because, you know, this is also in the pandemic. And I was just kind of like skulking around the perimeter day after day, you know, just being like, should I get a haircut? And then I walked in and this woman, it was just one woman was in there and she was like, I keep seeing you look in the window. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I need to be a little more subtle in my uh, haircut scouting operations. But it was a great haircut and I'm going to go back to that business. Uh, Next time I get a haircut and I'm going to get a haircut before minor league baseball opening day, I'm going to shave. It's going to be, going to be good. It's going to be a fresh start for all. Yeah. Um, I avoid getting haircuts for the other reason, which is that I don't want them commenting on how much my hair is thinning. I don't, I don't want that. That's the opposite of that. Yeah. Well, you need to stop going to insult barbers. (laughs) (laughs) I just go to a barber where they, it's a roast. When I walk inside, they're like, look at this fat loser. Oh, that's mean spirited. Um, All right, you guys, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of fun edition of the show before the show. 
Get in touch if you've got questions about the start of this minor league baseball season here in 2022. Podcast at MILB.com. Uh, Sam, Ben, and I are on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, MILB, at Ben's Biz, and at Tyler Mon. And uh, if you've got a Ghost of the Miners suggestion, you can get in touch with Josh Jackson as well. He's at Josh Jackson, MILB. And uh, that'll do it for Sam and Ben. I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you next week.